From McKinsey's business building practice, Leap, I'm Andrew Roth, and welcome to The Venture, a series featuring conversations with legendary venture builders about how to design, launch, and scale new businesses. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice on how leaders can build successful businesses from scratch. If the many infrastructure projects across Southeast Asia have a common denominator, it's steel. And in just 12 years, Singapore-based Merlion has become the region's largest supplier of steel material for the construction of roads, bridges, ports, waterways, and underground tunnels with offices in Malaysia, the Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, Taiwan, and China. In 2021, Merlion launched GoListed, an online B2B steel marketplace designed to solve an industry-wide problem by allowing contractors to buy and sell used steel saving money by eliminating the need to scrap it prematurely and reducing carbon emissions by prolonging its lifespan. Merlion chairman and CEO Eric Leong sat down with McKinsey's Thomas Lavoca to discuss the creation of GoListed, why he thought it made sense to disrupt his core business, the importance of culture and talent, and his plans to eventually spin it off. Hey, Eric. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Thomas. Excited to be here. So am I. You've led Merlion for 10 years disrupting industry and gain traction. You've done almost what many might consider impossible in a very well-established industry. And then what might seem out of nowhere, you start looking beyond your core. What led you down this path? Why disrupting yourself? Malign has been supplying steel to the waterfront and underground markets for the last 12 years now. And during this time, we have actually become the market leader in the field of supplying steel material for ports, bridges, waterways, roads, and underground tunnels across Southeast Asia. And the core business have actually grown very well. In fact, grew three times in three years, and we're crossing close to 200 million US dollars at the end of 2022. So we are right now the largest sheet power distributor, which is one of our core products across the entire Southeast Asia. And every one in three powers actually goes through our hands. I think the question is, why did we want to venture into something completely different? Well, I think it's got to really do with our vision. And our vision is pioneering innovative solutions for tomorrow's challenges. And as the founder of the business, I've always felt that it was very important to address challenges that our industry faced. And one of these challenges that we faced was dealing with pre-owned steel material and the challenge of actually reusing them multiple times and preventing them from going to scrap. So to the layman, maybe to you, Thomas, steel is something that you would think that will be used inside of a building permanently. But contrary to most people's beliefs, steel material can be used in a temporary manner. So let me give you an example. You know the Apple Store at Marina Bay in Singapore that's floating on the waterfront? We supply all the steel material that goes into the foundation of that project. But once the foundation is completed, a lot of that steel actually gets removed from the ground. And none of that Today, you see it when you visit the store. So it's temporarily installed in the ground. The problem starts when the contractor can't find a buyer to get rid of this material. They can't seem to sell it away and their cash is stuck in these assets and they don't know when their next project will be. Typically, these contractors will find people like us who sold them the steel and ask us to find them a buyer. And oftentimes, we call our entire contact list and it's difficult. We require a large army of sales reps to do so. And if we can't find a buyer immediately, the item gets scrapped. So this deal that we talk about can have a lifespan of 5 to 10 years. And many times it's prematurely scrapped. While a lot of people think that scrap 
is a good way of melting down the steel and recreating it, the process of making that steel is terribly carbon intensive. It's energy intensive. So we emit approximately 1.8 tons of CO2 for every steel material that we produce in a brand new form. And we ask ourselves this question, how can we solve this situation? And we look at various industries, we look at pre-owned cars, we look at pre-owned items, and then we realize that actually a digital solution may be the best way to go about it. We can reach a large audience, the system can be very fast, we can scale at a much faster pace, and instead of deploying more sales reps in more places, we could do so with an online system. So that's why we set off to build Go Listed. We are effectively asking our customers to list their items on our B2B platform and giving still a second lease of life with a focus of reducing the carbon emission for our steel industry. So the platform kind of aggregates all the demand, all the supply of steel. We still remain the middleman in between both sides and we help solve all the nagging problems, logistics, financing, operation, trust and transparency. To answer your question, why build something that's beyond our core? Well, it really takes a lot of guts to do so, to be honest. It's tech-related. We had no tech background. We had no tech team when we thought of it. So it was somewhat of a risky move. But I think as an entrepreneur, to me, the upside is greater than the downside. And sometimes we have to make this kind of calculated risk and decisions. So in such an HO industry, like ours in the steel industry, if it's not me, then who? Eric, that sounds like 101 reason to do this. And it sounds like you have really all the reasons to do, but not to do. But it is a few things that I want to highlight that really stood out for me. So one is you pursuing it because you're pursuing a bigger vision. The vision led you to start the company 10 plus years ago, and you helped to go from zero to a leader within a category. And because you're learning about the pain points within the industry, you discover further opportunities. You step in. And pursuing that particular problem of reused steel is something that you see as part of the vision, not a separate pursuit. And then, of course, you have so much insight because you operate within the business that gives you already the foresight to see what could be the right solutions and you go towards the digital. What gives you not just the right to play, but the right to win? Why will Go Listed be the undisputed winner, just like what you've achieved to do with Medline? I will be more than happy if a well-funded startup wanted to come and compete with us because that will bring huge attention to the industry. I think when we started this venture, we knew we had the right ingredients in the first place. We had already a good solid base of B2B customers that was dealing with the corporate brand with Malayan. We had the trusted brand in place. We were already market leaders. We had a good balance sheet to prove and we had the financial capabilities and the existing distribution network that we have. But bear in mind, we were building a B2B platform that is not just a listing system. We are not like an SG car mart for cars. We are not a property guru for houses that just sold listings. We were effectively becoming more like a Caro-like kind of platform. We were dealing with both sides of the tables, buyers and sellers. And we don't allow each side to talk to each other. So we still maintain as the middleman between the two. And it's really our position as the market leader that makes it all the more unique for us. It offices across the region. We can move materials logistically, import, export them conveniently through our existing network. Every year, we transact about 200,000 metric tons of material. 
And that gives us much better freight, much better shipping line options. We already have that trusted network of customers. And so we have that solid base to build from. So if you talk about right to play or right to win, at the beginning, when we first started this venture, we actually toy with the ideas of adding more items into the mix. When we started, we started with steel. And then very quickly, we started saying we got a bit ambitious. We thought about it and we said, wow, maybe we can add things like heavy machinery into it. There is so much heavy machinery, excavators, cranes. There's so much of these items that are available. And these are complementary items. You're talking to the same sellers, you're talking to the same buyers. We thought it was a great option. But very quickly, when we started to dwell deeper into the heavy machinery sector, we started to realize that we didn't have the expertise like how we had with steel. When we look at a piece of steel, we know what's the quality, what's the grade of it, is it going to be able to reuse. But when we look at a crane, I can't tell you whether the engine is good or not. So we didn't have the expertise, we didn't in-house. And this kind of information doesn't come overnight. It takes years of understanding the intricacies of the industry. So that kind of conviction takes a bit of time to build. And we just didn't have that for heavy machinery. And I think it was a blessing in disguise because we took that out of the system. We wanted to start with something that we were comfortable, that we were sure about, and that we had a branding for it. And with our existing warehouse staff, operational capabilities that we can leverage on quite easily to get us off the ground, I think that was really our unique value proposition. So I would say that, like I said at the start, if there was a well-funded startup, that well-funded fund that want to come and fight us, we more than welcome them to come, you know, because I think we'll fare really well against them. I love the confidence, but also underpinned with real facts and real foundation. You have customers, you have operations, you have logistics, warehouse, you have a brand, you have balance sheet, but importantly, you also have the insights and the expertise. And I think it's very clear on why you're so keen to see a further competition coming in and are you ready for the battle? I'm curious, maybe fast forward, you already reached quite some traction underpinned with the unique advantages that you have. You're managing the marketplace and there must have been moments of reaching the product market fit and understanding what this really means. What did it mean for you and what were some of the chicken and egg problems that you had to crack? Oh, plenty. I think to get people to change their behavior, to get on an app, considering we are in a really backward industry, the steel industry, we're notoriously backwards. We have people in our industry until today who doesn't even have a website and they can still survive, let alone social media and whatever else. So getting people on board on this idea was a huge challenge. Getting people to use a handphone app or a web application, it took time. It took a lot of education. And we had to show both the buyers and sellers the benefits that they could achieve by working with us and the platform. And once they understood, they saw the difference in terms of the customer service, the speed, the efficiency. They didn't have issues using the platform. In the past, they have to call us over the phone And then sometimes nobody picks up the phone because you could be stuck in meetings and all that. But now we have like an online customer service team that could reply you back immediately. And even for the sellers, they used to have to deal with 20 different buyers. Now they pass it to Goldisted. Goldisted deals with everyone. So that kind of removes a lot of that pain points for them. I think the difficulty was, of course, getting the ample supply of this new material. That was a great challenge at the start. And I think as the corporate company and Malayan had to take the active role to source a lot of these material because, like you said, it's a chicken and egg problem. If you have nothing to sell, no buyers will come on board. So you really need to kickstart this on your own. And I would say that within the team, we sort of kept North Star metric in our mind. 
we told ourselves that with the platform, we want to achieve 10 times more inquiries than what we used to do. We wanted to see five times more customers coming on board versus our core that we already had. So we chose not to look at the dollar behavior. We chose not to look at making money at the very beginning. Let's see how we can attract people to change their behavior, come on board the system and find that trust in the system that it will work for them. And I think even through the course of building the venture, we sort of changed the concept a couple of times. We started off thinking that we could simply sell listings, meaning that I will approach a seller and I would basically sell you a listing, maybe $50 for a listing, $100 for a listing. But when we went through the customer interviews and spoke to the customers, what we learned was that a listing won't work. They don't care whether you earn the $50 or the $100. I need to sell my item and that's more effective to them. Even if you're going to take 2% cut out of my item, that's fine, but you've got to find me a buyer. What will work was that we needed a platform that was a way in which we could connect both the buyers and sellers effectively. Every seller wants a high price, every buyer wants a low price. And how do you bridge that gap in between? So we thought of even creating the first of its kind cash advance model. We helped to unlock the value of this steel material by first advancing 80% of the cash value to the seller. So for example, I have a bunch of steel material and if I can't find a buyer, I will basically scrap away the material right now. But what if I could help you to try and give me more time to help you find a way of selling it away at a price that you want it, but first advancing you 80% of that scrap value. So instead of scrapping and getting 100% of that scrap value, which is a low price, let me at least advance you 80% first. So it's a best of both worlds. You get 80%, you could actually start using that money for your next project, buy new different kinds of materials that you need, and I could advance you first while I take six months or a few months to sell away your material. And of course, you can always redeem back the item. For example, if two months down the road, you win a project that you need the material back, you can pay us back the cost of funds and you can get back the item. So that's a whole new concept. And as we explained this out to the industry, it was very well received. The industry was like, you know, that was something that we really needed. So trust on both buyer side and seller side was very important. There were other things that we introduced. For example, we came up with a five-point rust grading system Every seller will say that my steel material is great condition. Every buyer will nitpick and say, oh, look, it's rusty here. It's not good condition. So we created a five-point rust grading system so that it's transparent. If I appraise it as a rust grade two, it's a rust grade two. So both parties would have less misunderstanding. So to move the entire industry, we have to solve so many of these kind of pain points. But every time we learn, we kind of stop, we pivot, and we have to change direction a little bit or change course a little bit. And I think that insights drove us to solve more pain points, ultimately meeting what the customer really wants. So I think it's still a work in progress. And I think we foresee that when we move into other regions, we expand, it will be similar issues and maybe even new issues to be solved. Well, before we go there, there's really a lot to unpack. There is also a common thread, which I really like, Eric. I would tie it back into the orientation towards the vision. And for you, the vision here is the North Star. You're very clear what's the behavior that you want to see, right? I hear the 10x, 5x, so 10x more sellers, and there is a 5x more customers, new customers, new inquiries. You clearly are iterating and pivoting along the lines of all the problems that you're discovering so that you are adding on the benefits that you are creating with GoListed. But then you start cracking more difficult problem uh, by introducing the cash advance model, and beyond. And I can imagine there will be many metaphor experiments, but they're all geared towards the North Star. 
And I'm curious, you mentioned that you have the offices around eight countries. You're already moving quite a lot of the steel around the region. How do you allocate the resources for the cross-border versus building within the country? What's your thinking? Cross-border is a very important play for us because typically most contractors or buyers and sellers in this case would roughly know what's available in their own markets. So where we see the potential of Golisted is the cross-border play. Why? Because the pricing and the demand and supply would vary drastically once you go cross-border. And we see that regional play would make it extremely useful for Golisted because Southeast Asia is sort of like our home ground and where we are already market leaders it will probably be much easier for our material to flow within Southeast Asia through our offices. So we've really got the ability to sort of import and export within all these countries. And I would say that we hope to become like an eBay for steel material, where you go on, you type in the item that you're looking for, and then you get a whole list of this is how much in Malaysia plus shipping to my destination. This is how much in Indonesia plus shipping to my destination. So we see that potential in that cross-border play. And therefore, we want to double down when it comes to the cross-border play. And that's why our focus in the next few months will be to launch across all our offices in Southeast Asia. I think that's going to be something that we'll be allocating more resources to. And we see a lot of potential, even places like Vietnam, Cambodia, Philippines, Myanmar. There's a lot of demand for pre-owned steel material. And But of course, we have to be good in our home ground first. So that's why we soft launched in Singapore. And then we really started work in Philippines and we are going to move across the entire region. And we think that that's going to be the model in which we can grow. And for us, Southeast Asia may not be the end all in it. We are looking beyond that. We are looking at even international areas, but not so much of Southeast Asia sending steel material to Europe. No, we think that every region can work in its own region, intra-region, reason being that logistics plays a huge cost in steel material. So if we move around Southeast Asia, the steel material, I think that's workable. Similarly, in Europe or US, it can work on its own, but unlikely Europe can send used material to US, for example. So I think that's the where we think the longer-term concept will be, but we want to start with Southeast Asia and double down on that strategy first. Makes a lot of sense, Eric. You are following the pain points of the customers. You see the lack of transparency, the fact that I don't know the pricing in between the markets as one of the challenges, but also one of the opportunities that Golistit can bring as one of the benefits. So you start iterating when a country, but you have a clear vision that you're going to go regionally, of course, paying attention to the cost of logistics, and then you can scale. Focusing on new business build is a top of mind for many CEOs. We see that those that are focusing on the new business build tend to outperform the market. I think the latest research is uh, 67%, which is a good impetus to go down this route. But 8 out of 10 CEOs would tell us finding the right resources, finding the right talent is a real challenge. You're building digital solutions, which was not core to your business before. How do you go about attracting and then incentivizing and leading the new talent? It was a challenge at the start, definitely. I think in the first place, finding talent to come into the steel industry is already not an easy task to do. People don't find the steel industry and sexy industry. I have to go against other tech firms. Over the last two years while we were building Golisted, that was when the tech boom was there during the pandemic. So people were offering high salaries, 
So we had a huge competition for talent. But at the same time, I think what we realized was that we really needed people from the outside to come in and help us. Because if I wanted my guys within the industry to build this for me, I think it would be a huge challenge. And we needed the outside perspective, sort of without the legacy, without the burden of knowing what the steel industry would probably face. Because if I ask anyone in the steel industry, everyone would say, you know what, nobody's going to use your app. So I needed people who believed that the tech platform could work and having some tech background. So we started with having a vice president that we hired coming from a tech background. And I think one of the reasons why we managed to attract him was being able to show him that this business model really works. It's not something that is far-fetched. We are already in this business. We are already the market leader. And we're just changing the behavior of how people do things. And I think once he could see where we were coming from and what was the idea that we were trying to build, and of course, with the talent that we already have in-house, for example, like we had operational capabilities to support him. We had people and the know-how. Like we said, we could touch the steel and know what price it will be. Things like that. We had to give him that kind of confidence to know that he would be able to build it and rely on our expertise and our know-hows. And I think once he started to see a couple of deals being done, he started to believe in it. So I think on the commercial side, we had to show them that this was a viable concept and we were not afraid to let him speak to some of the customers. When he spoke to the customers, he could sense there was a need in some of these solutions that we were providing. And I think that sort of resonated with him. So from there, he could build his team, the customer service team as well. And I think the customer service team could understand where we were coming from. The anchor hire for you as a VP, and I again see the common pattern, you were able to show the VP an existing business you were able to bring him to the customers and, and I love that, right? Like let's interview customers, let's find the pain points and the pain points are real. We can do transactions and we have the expertise. We can actually deliver it. So we need you to come in to build this business, but you're not starting from scratch and you have a unique platform that you can't build on your own. And as a matter of fact, the chances of success here are dramatically de-risked. They are very high. That was my VP and that was how we started on the commercial side of things because we needed a dedicated team to keep looking and keep building and keep pushing forward. If I took people from my core business and asked them to look on both sides, they would be very difficult to balance or decide which side would be more important because the core business was growing. So we needed an external team without that legacy to do that. And we felt that that was the best way to go about it, but with the support of the core team helping him. Then we needed people on the tech side of things because if we had to always rely on external vendors and we had to always rely on a third party to build or change or move, it was extremely slow and extremely difficult to change. So even along these ways, if we didn't have our own in-house tech team, it would be extremely difficult to move. We would not be agile. So we decided that we needed our own in-house tech to be there to support and build and continue to grow because this platform is only as good as it is today. So we need to start building further iterations of where we are and put in more technology into the platform that makes us different, that keeps the gap wider away from the competition. I'm not saying that any other steel company couldn't attempt to do what we are doing, but we want to have that head start in front of them. So for example, for our tech team, now we have five guys in our tech team. With that tech team there, we hired an experienced VP of software engineering. He came in, he's built a lot of platforms as well as products. 
for enterprise companies previously. And these are some of them are B2C, some of them are B2B. And what he's doing with the team is with that core team of tech people within our company, we could have better clarity, better road mapping of where we want to move towards, and also better control if we rely on any offshore or third-party vendors. For example, we're working on AI, advancing the platform, putting in more machine learning into the system. But I can tell you the tech team was difficult to find a good fit. It was difficult to retain talent as well. People come in, people look at salaries from the outside and they say, you know, why do I want to come into a steel industry? But I think it's always going back to the vision. They need to understand that we are building these innovations or these ventures because we're trying to solve a problem in our industry. And they need to see that vision. If they don't see that vision, I think in any job, if an employee doesn't see the vision, they wouldn't be sold to the cost. I think the vision and connecting it towards the individual opportunity and how can each team member contribute is really critical. And I can really see that that's something that you translate throughout building of the new venture. But you also tie it back into the customer's needs. The challenges of attracting tech talent are second to none. And then they are definitely there. But I want to take maybe a different spin. I want to talk about how do you manage the new venture? This is your brainchild. You saw the pain points. Uh, you had the vision. You want to disrupt yourself after building a successful business. And now you're handing it over to a new VP and a team that just show up. How does the governance go? And how do you make sure that the new guys will really give it all? Because you can't be steering two shapes at the same time. You would burn out. So can you talk a little bit more about this elephant in the room? Good question. And I think it's really close to my heart because I'm a really hands-on guy. When I first started the business, it was just two guys starting it off. We actually touched every single steel that we loaded up and we sold to people. So it takes a little bit of letting go to not get heavily involved. And I think that's the same problem that every entrepreneur has. We actually like to touch things and we like to get involved in things. We are hands-on people. And I'll say that I spend about 15 to 20% of my time on Goal Listed right now. We also have another venture called Go Target, which I spend also about 15-20% of my time on and the rest of my time on the main mothership. I think it's a lot about governance. We set rules in place. We set certain parameters for the team to work within. And we have to trust that they will be able to deliver. I think one of the things that I learned over the last couple of years was that you have to trust your talents to do the work because you won't know it better than them. Like I said, I can't code better than them. I can't build a platform better than them. But you have to give them the vision. You have to give them the direction. You give them the North Star. You have to check in with them constantly to make sure that they are on track. And it's not uncommon that they go off track. And I think the other point is that we also try to put in technology to try and reduce human errors. So for example, like when we inspect our steel material, we put in AI so that whenever they come up with a rust grading, our AI system will also do that validation to see that if they give a Rust grade 3, is it really a Rust grade 3 by the AI as well? But ultimately, I think we need the team to be independent on its own. It can scale. Today, it's in Singapore. We are launching in Philippines. But if we are in eight different countries, how am I going to be sitting in every single office and checking what's going on? The only thing right now that the mother companies still have some say over is on top of pricing. For example, what price should we sell? Steel material? things like that. Because like we said, that is the inherent, it takes time to build. And we are trying to transfer that knowledge to the team that's working on it. We expect to allow the team to be able to make such decisions maybe within six to 12 months. And we think that in a year, they should be independent enough. And ultimately, we would like to spin it off as a separate entity. 
we will provide that support for Golisted. Malayan will provide that support so that it will be well-known in the market. But once it's built its credibility, it should have be able to stand on its own two feet. And I think for any venture to grow and scale or any company to grow and scale, you need to trust your people to do the work. And I would say that also culture is important. When we hire talents, they need to think the same way as you. They need to have the same spirit of what you're trying to do. To me, you can be a great worker, but if you can't think or have the same culture as what I want, it will always going to be a big clash over time. They need to understand the mindset that what we are trying to deal with, what we are trying to build. And I think when they can think that way, I think there isn't a problem having them make the decisions. Eric, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm really grateful about all the ground that we've covered. From the vision and why to start to the right to play, right to win that you're leveraging throughout the product market fit, how you think about scaling and ultimately building the team. There's so much that we could learn. Really appreciate the time and the openness and transparency with which you're sharing these lessons. Thank you, Thomas. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast as well. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to checking in with you in a short while and seeing how you're doing and really striking while the iron is hot on Gold Estate. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, Eric. You have been listening to The Venture. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen.